The NYPD was raided by the FBI. Hilarious. Bitcoin is back. 55,000. Who told you? Nick Hodge told you last week. Gold, eh, not so hot. 1757. The Zodiac Killer apparently has been found. We'll get into the details of that. We'll talk the Tennessee police going wild. We'll talk Tesla coming to Austin. The Pandora's box of I don't even know what yet. A lot going on in this bizarro world. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. And this is episode slash therapy session 138 of Bizarro World. How are you, Mr. Nick Hodge? You can get away with a lot of stuff in South Dakota, apparently. I'm doing pretty good, Gerardo. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, South Dakota, you know, some quietly, some not so quietly, is apparently, um, you know, a, a, a place for the naughty, sick people to play. Um, yeah, and store their money. And store their money. I heard a story about a guy that was trafficking kids that paid millions of dollars just to kill himself. How sick what? of a guy do you think that guy had to be? Where was this? Oh, uh, yeah, you know. We'll talk off there. <laughs> Anyhow, okay. a lot going on. The markets were, you know, there's a lot happening in the space. Look, the 10-year is back up to 160. I'm surprised, to be frank, that gold has held up as well as it has given the rise in the 10-year. Let's start there. I'd love your take on it. You've had your finger on the pulse of the 10-year, the correlation between rates and the price of gold. I'd love to hear your chartist take. It's complex for mm. the past couple of weeks, Gerardo, because... Um, no one can uh, think out a little bit and they all have to react to the moment, right? Like um, when Bitcoin was banned by China last week, for example, <laughs> or when the debt ceiling was going to roil the markets, for example, both of which I said were nothing burgers and both of which have already been remedied. Um, and so when you look at the markets, you had the end of the quarter, obviously in September, you had a really bad September for stocks. We've talked about this, the worst since uh, March 2020. And you had a, uh, indicators, let's say, you know, the big ones that we watched that you were just talking about not wanting to, to make up their mind or, or, or going in opposite directions than they had been, but not truly breaking out. And what I mean by that is you had the dollar rising um, and that's sort of. Uh, tapered off a little bit. I don't think, and I said this last week, it's in danger of breaking out above, what was the number? 94, 94. I think, mm -hmm. on the DXY. And it rates, on the other hand, um, continued to go up, are still not breaking, breaking out, but uh, they're going up uh, stronger than uh, the dollar. And, and that's what's keeping the lid on gold for now. And I think uh, that continues uh, for at least a couple more uh, months. You had, uh, I'm doing air quotes, a bad jobs report today um, that showed you basically that uh, more people are dropping out of the uh, looking for a job, uh, the participation force, right? Uh, even as uh, pandemic benefits come to an end, right? A couple of weeks ago, it was all these benefits are coming back to an end and these people are going to get back into the the workforce and uh, that has failed to materialize, which gave gold a bit of a boost uh, this morning. Uh, tying it all together, um, I think you get back to 
more of the same. And what I mean by that is uh, stocks uh, accelerating, uh, risk being uh, back on. And uh, again, I've said it for two weeks, but uh, earnings reports starting to come out in the in the next two weeks. And so I think people will have very short memories here in the next uh, two weeks and uh, forget about the downward stock action in, in September. And I guess the last thing I would say there is uh, volatility is waning in the, mm-hmm. in the stock market as well. It was never in danger of nope. uh, breaking out. I live tweeted that for the world. So um, <laughs> time yeah, stamped. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I we, we have to talk a bit about the debt ceiling, not because of the debt ceiling. As you mentioned, big nothing burger. It didn't mean anything. We knew that they're going to do what they always do. They'll have scotch on the rocks, behind the scenes. They'll laugh at all the people in the street fighting. Both sides are doing it. If you think politicians care about you, I have a bridge in Brooklyn. I'd happily sell you, Um, except I wouldn't because I'm not that type of person, right? But the one thing that I thought was curious is politicians' willingness to begin to talk about the restructuring of social security payments. I think that's the first time in a couple of years and definitely recently that I've heard a willingness to actually publicly say that, right? Typically, you know, they'll float out a white paper and they'll talk about, you know, the risk and the potential for defaults and how they would have to restructure. It seemed a little bit more pronounced this time around when they were bringing up the debt ceiling. It seemed like um, they were willing to make sure that everybody knew that, yes, you're going to get your checks this time, which is what they said. You know, um, the, the checks will go out on time. If the debt ceiling deal goes through and if it doesn't, you know, we'll figure something out. We'll print a trillion dollar coins, the stupid shit they're saying again. Um, Mm -hmm. But the fact that it was so front and center tells me there's probably going to be a change in the way that Social Security is paid out over the next several years. I don't think they're going to be giving anyone more, by the way. Well, certainly not. And I'm not a Social Security expert, so I'll just tell you how. Uh, I sort of operate and, and some of the things uh, I've read, I'm not really up to speed on the, the connection to the debt ceiling as it happened this week. But uh, first of all, as a millennial, I operate like Social Security doesn't exist. It's yep. not a part of my uh, financial plan. I don't consider it uh, like I'm going to have income from Social Security. It's just going to be a nice to have if it's actually uh, there and the, and the payments are still coming when uh, I'm of age to 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 take those. The other thing is that you read a lot about Social Security uh, running out. And while I haven't done deep, (laughs) deep dives in it, I have read enough to know that uh, the way that it's uh, funded, et cetera, you know, there's going to be something. You might not get 100 percent of your your payout, but you're going to get 85, 90 percent, even out to like, I forget what the date is. I think it's like 2070 something, for example, that uh, uh, the CBO has put out the Congressional Budget Office. And so. Um, it's not one of those things that I worry about on a day-to-day basis, but the, the, the broader thing is that a lot of people do, right? And so uh, it's like pensions, right? It's like pensions in the 2000s and, 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 and 2010s when they started getting taken away from people who thought they were going to have them forever, right? Auto workers, steel workers, et cetera. And so, um, you know, it's part of a larger uh, debt thing that's going on. Obviously, we're at 29 trillion. That's unsustainable. You know, we don't really stop and talk about this stuff anymore because everyone's uh, glued to the Fed and has sort of forgotten about the money printer going uh, burr, et cetera. But um, all those chickens are going to come home to 
uh, roost eventually. And so uh, if you're dependent uh, on Social Security um, or you think you will be dependent on Social Security, of course, uh, what I would say is um, think less about that and, and more about uh, investing now and, and learning the public markets so that um, you can take that risk off the table for yourself if the government is um, not going to send you your Social Security check, which, again, uh, I don't consider or even <laughs> really want in, in the first place. But I pay my taxes, so I'll take it. So uh, anyway, uh, what did you think when you were seeing this, uh, them talk about the Social Security thing? No, I, I, I feel for the people that really depend on this because, you know, politicians are taking a victory lap because they can guarantee that at least up until December, <laughs> seniors will be able to get their Social Security checks on time. That didn't feel really reassuring for, you know, the most vulnerable amongst us that maybe the older or the lower income people that really depend on these checks to kind of get by. And in a time where inflation is not transitory, by the way, that word wasn't used one time in the Fed statement this go around. So for all you uh, Fed geeks out there that thought it was going to be transitory, even the Fed is stopping using that word. Um, but I digress. Going back to my, my, my take on Social Security, it's a little concerning to me that they're proud of the fact that they got the payments out in time and that they'll be able to do so until at least December. It, 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 it tells me that people should start looking for alternative ways um, to make a living, to get a secondary income. Um, I know that's harder the older you are. I also know that's harder um, the worst off you are economically, right? It's, it's, it's getting harder and harder in this country. Uh, to see upward mobility, especially if you come from a disadvantaged position. And so, no, you know, it, my heart hurts a little bit, especially for older people and, and, and vulnerable people that depend on this, because I think, you know, I, I, I think slowly but surely they're going to chip away at this. And, uh, you know, I don't have much confidence in government, Nick. That's it. That's what it's always uh, been. I mean, that's sort of um, part of the genesis of the business that we're in, the newsletter space, right, is um, not going with the mainstream, certainly as uh, finances are related and wanting to manage it ourselves, take it in our uh, own hands and, and not be reliant on uh, the government. And um, again, I uh, said we got to keep harping on it last week. It's um, only the result of your government's policy and your Federal Reserve's policy that uh, those disadvantaged are finding it harder to have uh, upward mobility. It's not the uh, system. It's not the, the capitalistic system that's at fault. It's the way that it's been uh, operated, uh, maintained, and, and the policies that have been uh, layered on top. And so I'll continue to say that while I continue to manage my own money and, and, and watch it, the value of it and inflate while they tell me that it's not. So, um, no, it's just how I feel, I guess. Agreed. Agreed. You got to position yourself ahead of the herd, as Mr. Dines would say, everyone um, that requires some conviction and, and, you know, it requires some risk. You know, I think, you know, when I moved to Texas in 2013, I had my reasons. When Nick moved to Washington State, he had his. Those were, you know, pretty consequential decisions to take your kids and your spouse and, you know, leave a place that you had been in for quite some time and, and go to a brand new place and, you know, buy real estate and then, you know, leave uh, a, a steady check and, you know, launch our own company and then, you know, develop and build another one. And, and so all those things come with risk. But 
you know, luckily for us, it's, it's literally paid off. And, you know, having inflation protection in our portfolio has really paid off. But there's still a lot of runway to make money in this space. And, you know, hopefully, again, I'm going to talk our own book here, Nick, but people can go to Resource Stock Digest or DailyProfitCycle.com and and get some of the free content. And for those of you that are able to act on, you know, paying for a subscription of, you know, more guidance and research and insights that's specific, um, yeah, it's probably not a bad time to do that. It's not getting harder to make money in the market. I can tell you that much. No, I mean, the commodities are literally melting up. I mean, uh, I was reading, and we're going to be speaking about this soon, so I'm having fun putting together these presentations. <laughs> lithium prices, I mean, just, there's not even a word, like ripping isn't even the right word. They're exploding higher. Like um, These commodity prices are, are literally uh, melting up here. And yeah, you, you got to be uh, in the market and... Uh, I guess another point I would add on there is that uh, even though this uh, inflation has been around, we've talked about energy, uh, we've talked about uh, metals, and we've talked about how uh, officials have positioned it as a transitory because of that positioning and because of the mainstream media's unwillingness to uh, report honestly on inflation, people are late to the trade, right? Yeah, sort of what makes uh, things go up further, right? Climbing walls of worry, bringing new audiences uh, into the thing. Like um, I'm seeing it more now, right? The natural gas price stories in Europe. I read this morning um, that they stopped producing aluminum in, I think it was the Netherlands or mm-hmm. something, because the, the electricity prices are simply so high. And so, um, yeah, you got to be yeah. in there uh, owning things that are inflating. Winter is coming. Natural gas power prices in Europe and Asia are at record highs, as in all time. All time is a long time, folks. Uh, U.S. prices, they've doubled this year. And there's still people that are adamant that this inflation is transitory. Um, have fun with that trade, everybody. Mm. Did, you huddle, did, did you huddle your Bitcoin and your Ether? I huddled and my Solana. <laughs> yeah. And your Solana. Tell me about it. That went well for you. Not a I bad mean, week. We- it's it. And so um, it's more pounding of the chest, but you got to do it, right? Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's how you, you, people are going to realize that they have to act and they have to uh, get ahead of the of the news cycle. And if not get ahead of it, at least synthesize it in real time. And if you can't, get someone who can synthesize. And by synthesize, I mean the stuff that we just talked about, like tune out the noise with the debt ceiling, right? Like Buy stocks when they're down 600 points and you're still in a bear market. Buy Bitcoin when it goes down below 45,000 and China says it's going to ban it. and It's still in a, in a bull cycle with commodities uh, ripping higher. Yeah, I think uh, Ethereum got down to, I don't know, 26, 2700 bucks and it's went immediately back up to uh, 3400. And so um, it's part of that commodities thing. And so. Um, it worked out really well, was able to tune out the noise and literally timestamp it. I told you last week that I was uh, buying Ethereum and stuff. And so um, we'll be writing and, and, and publishing more uh, about crypto here. There's a whole world there that we don't really um, have premium research on, but uh, are looking into it more because uh, and it goes back, I guess, to that Social Security uh, conversation as well, because. Uh, these people that don't have retirement or who lost pensions or who didn't save 
uh, now need a moonshot. And you and I know that you can get a moonshot in uh, stocks, but with the advent of a whole cryptocurrency universe and new coins literally being minted uh, every week, uh, people, uh, the herd, right, are seeing this as an opportunity to, to make up for uh, lost time in uh, the markets. And uh, I still think, Gerardo, it's been a long time since I said it, that um, there's a lot of crypto soldiers being trained for the gold army and uh, it's not time to uh, join the ranks yet. Agreed. I'm going to give everyone something to do due diligence on outside of the markets and crypto real estate, which is where I started my investing career, right? Way back in, I think it was 2005. I you know, bought my first residential slash commercial building, didn't have much money. All I needed was a pulse and the banks were willing to give me a loan. And I know that wasn't sustainable. I knew that wasn't sustainable. So I took as many of those as I could get, flipped some places, sold some places, uh, kept some places, sold them eventually. Anyhow, it's kind of where I started, you know, learning to take advantage of, of trends and cycles and interest rates and the greed of banks and the system and central bankers and use it to my advantage. I say all that to say, that there is a tiny little town of about 18,000 people that's about 10 minutes from where I live, Nick. It's a town called Taylor, Texas in Williamson County. Taylor, Texas, it appears, and it's not final, but it's worth looking into at this point. It appears they're close. The whispers say that they're close to securing a $17 billion chip plant from Samsung. So the project is expected to be the most advanced facility to date for Samsung. It would create 1,800 high-paying jobs in a town of about 18,000 people. The economic stimulus that it will bring to a tiny little place like Taylor make it prime, prime, prime uh, opportunity to, to, to see some real appreciation. Now, Taylor, for those of you that aren't familiar, most of you probably, is one of the few Central Texas towns that has not outperformed year-on-year um, -year appreciation when it comes to housing prices, right? It hasn't boomed because it's a lot of country land, it's a lot of flat land, and it, it just hasn't had the infrastructure that an Austin or a Georgetown or a Round Rock, which are the other neighboring Central Texas cities and towns to Taylor, have benefited from. So take a look at Taylor, Texas. For those of you that are well-off, developers out there, people that own trust, real estate trust, um, that 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 might be a good uh you know five to ten year horizon type trade if you can buy some land or develop some subdivisions or build some houses because I think there's going to be plenty of demand especially if the Samsung deal goes through. Love it. All right, what else do we got going on out there? Did you see that they maybe found the Zodiac killer? No, and I thought didn't we just find a serial killer like last year? Like somebody's wife wrote a book. Patton Oswalt's wife. Was that a different killer? Am I getting my serial killers mixed up? I think that was a different killer. Another killer. Okay, tell me about the Killers Zodiac. are everywhere. Uh, yeah, so so the Zodiac Killer is famous for a series of apparently random murders. And the guy became notorious because he wrote cryptic notes to the cops and the media and, and basically teased the hell out of them. And the, the, long, the, the short story, to not make it too long, is they never found this guy. Um, and I guess apparently they recently cracked the code on one of his letters and the gentleman that they are saying was the Zodiac killer is a guy by the name of Gary P 
post or past. He died in 2018. Um, they, they, they say they've cracked the code. The code consisted of, um, acronyms that involved every letter of his name. And so, you know, if you've seen the Zodiac Killer movies, if, if you've seen or read some of the books, you know, some of the stuff that he did was horrific, 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 but, um, interesting story. The guy died in 2018. There was a friend of his that put a post in 2017 or 2016 on Facebook saying, hanging out with old man Gary slash Zodiac, question mark. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, I'll, I'll post a link to the story. He's got an eerie resemblance to some of the sketches from eyewitnesses that um, had seen the guy way back in the 60s and 70s. But I thought that was interesting. Another thing that I thought was interesting and made me laugh a little bit was the FBI raiding the New York Police Sergeants Union. And uh, immediately afterwards, the uh, the union president resigned, right? And so, you know, it's always law and order. This is a guy that talked a lot on Twitter during the Black Lives Matters protest, always has something to say, that's usually snarky at people. Um, he called a, 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 a local politician, a U.S. rep Richie Torres, a first-class whore because he's gay. Um, there was a young lady that was murdered in Central Park. He hypothesized openly that she was killed because she was there to buy marijuana. You know, it turned out afterwards that she was just out for a walk in the park and three dumbass kids... Um, stabbed her during an attempted robbery. So this isn't the guy that's been the most sensitive to victims or people in general. And seeing him get raided by the FBI, I don't ever root for that to happen. But if he's done something wrong, he'll have a chance to defend himself. And I, for one, am looking forward to seeing what it is that the FBI decided um, Mr. Mullins had done. Well, who knows? I'm not going to speculate, but um, it's no secret that uh, police officers uh, break the law all the time. Uh, various laws. Uh, we don't have to get into it here, but um, there's uh, <laughs> we can <laughs> and, and, and 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 things you can go see where every week they post stories uh, from police precincts around the country where uh, police were arrested for whatever domestic battery, child abuse, sexual abuse, coercion. You know, whatever. We there's cops breaking the law. Uh, all the time. If the FBI is involved, this is obviously uh, not a petty crime. And so, um, I, you know me, Gerardo, I obviously want to see what those boys in blue uh, were up to, right? These are also the boys in blue in New York. Weren't they putting like the thin blue line on skulls on their cars and stuff during the Black, Li the Black Lives Matter protest? I uh, mean, oh, yeah. A couple of them have been outed as, you know, uh, white supremacist uh, members and uh, still on the still on the force. Um so, yeah, yeah. Another, uh, for those of you thinking that I'm only picking on NYPD because I used to live there and because they tend to be a bit more vocal than the other departments in the country because it's the largest police force. Tennessee officers were caught um, arresting four young black girls. Did you read this case? No. Three police officers went to an elementary school in Tennessee. You're going to love this, Nick. You have little kids in school. I have kids in school. They're not this young. So they went and they arrested four black girls, right? 
One girl fell to her knees. Another one threw up. The cops handcuffed the youngest, an eight-year-old with pigtails. I can't make this up. Do you know what the supposed crime was? Illicit bubblegum distribution. It's worse than that. They watched a couple of boys getting to a fight and did not stop them. What? Gets better. The cops ended up arresting 11 kids in total, and they used a charge called criminal responsibility. Now I'm doing air quotes. And so this happened in Rutherford County, which allegedly has been illegally jailing kids for years. And you know how I feel about private prisons and pimping kids and profiting off kids. It's fucking disgusting. I hate it. This has happened under the watch of a judge named Donna Scott Davenport. Now she is a treat. She is the only elected juvenile court judge the county has ever had. So she gets to see, oversee the courts. She gets to oversee the juvenile jail. And she has directed police on what she calls our process for arresting children. It gets better, Nick. It took her nine years and five attempts to pass the bar exam. Three years after she got her law license, she was on the bench as a judge, judge, jury, and executioner. She believes it's God's mission, that she's doing God's mission, that she's here on a mission, and she says that children must have consequences. And she says to parents that they must drug test their kids, and they say the best ones are at your reputable drugstores. Don't go to Dollar Tree. Now, check this out. Here's some numbers for you. We're numbers people, right? Under Davenport, the county has locked up 48% of children whose cases were referred to juvenile court. Do you know what the statewide average is? No. 5%. So if you just happen to have the misfortune of going in front of this judge, the the odds of you going to, to jail as a juvenile increase astronomically, astronomically, um, it's it's sick. I hope the feds investigate this. Um, I don't know how people sleep at night knowing they are doing this to little human beings. Um, look, kids misbehave. Kids commit crimes. Kids should be held accountable. Um, you can't charge every kid who watches a fight in school with something that's going to take him to juvenile court when the judge is handling that facility, overseeing it, sending these kids at a, at a 48% rate. That's absolutely well, insane. Not to mention that this crime is not even a crime. That's the other thing. The problem is it's not a crime. The commissioner who used to work in a post office came up with the charge of criminal responsibility for conduct of another. They were literally charged with a crime that doesn't exist. Right. And because these kids, you know, a lot of these kids don't have the money to get an attorney, to go file a lawsuit, to actually go through that. um, These kids are just then, they're they're getting pimped out and they're getting traumatized at eight, nine, 10 years old. And that is not acceptable. This this in America? In the U.S.? It's insane. The boys that were fighting, I'm just reading that, were five and six years old. You got to be fucking kidding me, man. That's who the fight was between, a five and a six-year-old. Correct. I couldn't That's believe crazy. this story. I couldn't believe this story. I, 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 absolutely nuts. Anyhow. Yeah, I've, 
Yeah. I've seen some some bad ones. You know, my mom works or worked yep. for the Department of Juvenile Justice in in Maryland, and I would hear stories uh, over the years randomly. Uh, when and it, it seems to get worse over time, right? When they're handcuffing uh, a nine year old for you know whatever, just going completely, absolutely, you know, ballistic, right? And and has to be restrained. And you don't like hearing about that, let alone uh, some little girls who. Uh, did what every other human would do is watch a fight right and so um all that's wrong with the uh police and then justice system uh right there maybe not all of it but a lot of it encapsulated in that story and i'm 100 percent with you gerardo if i had to pretend to be that cop i don't understand or those cops like what <laughs> is your raison d'etre like what is in your mind like what kind of human are you that uh, first of all you want to uh, police your your fellow man like that but uh, even further is uh, a little girl for doing absolutely uh, nothing and and anyway that's why uh, i know in my heart of hearts that uh, these boys in blue that we've got um, policing us in this united states with lotus on the train just like in germany man and so um it's fundamentally flawed yeah, this this immunity that police officers have, you know, from lawsuits, um, it, it, it cannot continue. It cannot continue. There has to be some accountability. Again, I'm not going after all cops. I'm not going after all kids. I'm not going after all adults. I'm not going after all anything. I don't generalize like that. I want everyone to be accountable by the same standard. You shouldn't get literally a free out of free get out of jail card because you're a cop, and and you should be held at a higher standard. Because you're a cop, right? And so, I again, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll leave. Well, any rational person says, "I'm not arresting these kids," right? I mean, if you're a rational person, or just a fucking human being with a heart, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you know that 48 percent of them are going to end up in juvenile jail for something as silly as watching a five and a six year old fight. Absolutely That's why insane. I- it's why I say the state is not your friend. And just like I don't want the police knocking on my door, I don't want my social security check. Like that same thing. Like, uh, I don't know if, if that makes sense or if it relates, but like, I don't want the government to help me. Air quotes. Correct. <laughs> right? Leave me alone. Let, let me be a law abiding citizen. And that's my part of the deal. And then your part of the deal is you leave me the fuck alone. How about we do that? And then don't worry about what I'm doing in my bedroom. Don't worry about, you know, what I'm eating. Don't worry about what I'm watching. Don't worry about my emails. Just leave me alone. It doesn't seem like too much to ask as a private citizen that pays his or her taxes and is law abiding. Seems simple, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, speaking of Austin, Alex Jones, who's based in Austin, right? Austin always gets the rap as this liberal city and progressive city. And it is in some senses, but it's also a city that, you know, is is, is very big on the First Amendment and obviously the second one as well. But he was found guilty um, and and in, in, in or not guilty, I should say liable is a better word. He was found liable to have to pay families in lawsuits over the Sandy Hook shooting. So for those of you that aren't familiar, Alex Jones, based here in Austin, um, for years said that children that were killed in the 2012 mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary, um, that it was a hoax, said it didn't happen, said those were child actors. It was another attempt you know, by the left um, 
you know, to, 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 to false flag and, 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 you know, chip away at the second amendment. And he did this. So like in such a nasty mean spirited way that a couple of the parents, um, you know, continued on and, and had the financial wherewithal to sue him. And so, you know, this comes after Remington offered a $33 million settlement to the Sandy Hook families, which we talked about before. And I don't completely agree with Mm -hmm. that one. Um, but on this one, if you are going to harass, if you are going to harass grieving parents who lost kids in a mass shooting um, and say that it's a pretext for government action to limit gun rights and that it's a giant hoax. And then there were dumbass people that were harassing these parents saying they were in on it the same way that I'm seeing some of the anti-vaxxers now. And again, whether you're vaccinated or not, completely your choice. I believe you should have that choice. Um, but when I see parents running up to parents that have their seven or eight year old kid that chooses to wear a mask and yell in their faces, boy, I hope you don't ever do that to me and my 13 year old who wants to wear a mask, even though he's vaccinated. We were at dinner yesterday. None of us are wearing our mask. We're all vaccinated. We're comfortable with, you know, not wearing a mask. He's like, well, I haven't had COVID. I want to wear my mask. I'm like, you can take it off. You're safe or outside having dinner. You know, it's not a big deal. He's like, nah, I'd rather wear it when I'm not eating or I'm not drinking something. I'm like, cool, totally your choice. And all I could think about, Nick, is one of these little assholes better not come up on me asking about, you know, why my little 13-year-old is wearing a mask because he's going to have another issue, right? It's not going to be the mask that's going to be the problem anymore. And so, yeah, I, I it's a slippery slope on Remington paying $33 million to families of a horrific tragedy. Um, but in this case with Alex Jones... You know what? You act like an asshole. You use these people in a public forum um, to to get ratings, to to enrich yourself. I don't completely disagree with him being liable to have having to pay these people. And I think, you know, it looks like this is going to bankrupt him. It doesn't look good. Thoughts? Uh, (laughs) I I know. (laughs) I know. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Huh? Interesting. What are you watching in the markets this week, Nick? You're hodling. You're waiting for gold to do something. It's boring. It's uranium. Hey, Uh, you beat me. Yep. (laughs) Time. Yes, sir. They've they've consolidated the price. Spot price has come uh, back down below 40. Uh, I'll let you talk about it. But um, we'll have much more out in the public sphere next week on on uranium yeah no look um every now and then the market gifts us the perfect window right and so sometimes for those of you not familiar nick and i co-own digest publishing independent publishing company that provides research and insight on commodities biotech crypto you name it nick covers all sectors i cover the resource space it's where i'm comfortable uh, allocating and risking capital and 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 growing capital. And so, you know, a part of what we do is in order to get subscribers is we 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 provide the research and the insights and we do promotions on trends that we think can be extremely profitable. And in order to get access to the specific names in the research, uh, you have to subscribe to one of the newsletters. And so sometimes when we work on these things, um, something will just take off or the fundamentals change. And then the actual premise that the 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 speculation is is based on, you know, just isn't as true. And you gotta scrap, you know, what what takes months of work sometimes. And in this case, the complete opposite has happened, right? I was hoping 
that we would have a pullback in the space, not just in the spot price, but in the equities. Um, that's happened beautifully. I wanted that because as subscribers come in, it provides a much better entry point. And so my worry with this, Nick, was that we were going to continue with these high escalating prices week after week without much of a break or much relief and that subscribers wouldn't have as attractive entry points. The newer ones, we were positioned way ahead of this. Um, and, 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 and that's worked out extremely well for the both of us and our subscribers. But on this one, I am just thankful that we got the pullback. I think it's going to be an extremely profitable 12 to 18 months. People much smarter than I think it'll run for 24 months. Almost everyone I speak with that has seen the cycle before um, believes we're in the very early stages of what's going to be an absolute mania in the uranium space. And I am so excited to share the new promotion and the new idea with those of you that subscribe here soon. People are starting to figure it out. We were talking about the energy inflation earlier and how the narrative is making its way around. Uh, I was out to dinner last night with a, a local real estate uh, guy and, and our wives, and we somehow started talking about this commodities, inflation, stuff like that, and stocks. And we didn't know each other well, so we got into a little bit about uh, what I did. And uh, the wife has been his wife, um, as you know, uh, as many have over the past year, and enjoyed dabbling in the the public equity markets, right? And uh, guess what she has a, a portfolio of? Uranium. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I bet you I know every single stock you own. <laughs> that is hilarious. How was that conversation? She was talking about, uh, I mean, she's plugged in. She was talking about um, uh, investing in real things that... Um, the world is going to need, right? And it's pretty simple, right? I mean, it's a, a commodity that the world needs. And you can layer on top of that, as I would, the electrification of everything, right? All the drivers, uh, the money printing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, how I think we're getting back to, uh, just as a culture, wanting to invest in tangible things that uh, provide benefits for society instead of things that uh, push around data and um, have uh, people as their product, right? And so anyway, she didn't explicitly say all that, but she said that um, I think that we need it for the world and uh, I'm looking at investing in things that the world needs is how she framed it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's great. You know what else I love? I love the new Dave Chappelle special. I know you're not a TV guy, Nick. It's on Netflix. I'm going to watch it. It's on, I told my wife this morning we got to watch it. <laughs> Only because he got canceled, right, this week. And so I got to see, right? Did you see his response to quote unquote being canceled? No, but first, before you tell us, um, <laughs> it, uh, again, Bizarro World comes around because we featured the baby on uh, Bizarro did. many, many months ago. <laughs> we did. I couldn't believe he opened with it. So for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, everyone knows Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite comedians. I saw him three times during COVID, which took some commitment because they poked my brain each one of those three times because he was insistent on that. And, you know, it was really neat to see the material develop. I saw him, I think, three times over a two and a half month span. And so every time I was just so impressed by the timing and the storytelling and the amount of new material that he would introduce at each show 
for it being during such a concentrated space of two and a half months, right? And so some of the jokes obviously made it to the Netflix special, and then some of them obviously, you you, you know, did not. But um, look, if you are easily offended or have thin skin, you shouldn't click on Dave Chappelle. And I think, you know, he's spoken about that in the past. His response to being canceled, quote unquote, is hilarious. He said, if this is what being canceled is about, I absolutely love it. He said, fuck Twitter, fuck NBC News, ABC News, all these stupid ass, stupid ass networks. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. Twitter isn't real. This is real life. He said, I don't know what else to tell you except that I'm a bad motherfucker. <laughs> so um, uh, one of the uh, more uh, astute quips I saw about it was that he's got uh, the antidote to cancel culture, which is fuck you money. And so um, <laughs> he could say what he wants, right? Because how are you going to cancel somebody that has fuck you money and could you know put out his own production if he wanted? And so um, anyway, I thought that was sort of funny. And then I haven't watched the special, obviously, but um, makes total sense, right? I mean, the points that, that he was making is, you can get at least the one that I saw was that his <laughs> career it didn't get canceled for murdering somebody in a Walmart. <laughs> but if you offend somebody for whatever uh, LGBTQ beliefs or not framing it correctly or whatever, that's worse than killing a human being. And so on its face, the statement is 100 percent correct. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, I think he's the best storyteller I've seen since, you know, Richard Pryor. There's a couple of other ones I'm really fond of that are close. But, you know, and, 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 and uh, Ricky Gervais is amazing as well. Um, but anyhow, yeah, if, 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 you, if you have someone around you that's sensitive, don't put it on around them. But if, if you have a sense of humor and you have a little thick skin, then um, I encourage you to check it out. It is absolutely hilarious. It's on my list for this weekend. I love it. I'm watching Uranium this week, obviously. Uh, big promotion to get out. Excited for the opportunity to bring that um, to the public space. What else do we have going on, Nick? Anything else that... Uh... <laughs> oh, we got a lot going on, but if you want to uh, market insight uh, specifically is um, would be, like I said, risk back on, but uh, in the small caps is what I was writing. Mm, so yep. I had sold some smaller... Uh, cap positions a couple of months ago because I thought we were in for uh, a tougher environment uh, for those things. And uh, sticking to my, my call here that uh, I think stocks continue to go up and that uh, that includes the smaller cap sector that has uh, frankly been sideways for a couple of months. So uh, that would be something to take a look at, I think. Go to where the puck is going, not to where the puck is at, right? That's how you make money. Got to do it. Awesome. Awesome. I'll be, of course, watching the uranium space. Um, I like the way copper's held up despite China selling into the market. If you believe in the energy trade and the electrification of everything, I think there's some pretty compelling copper opportunities out there. I think They're out of bullets. They're out of copper bullets. They're they can't out, do that. They can't. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Did you want to talk about the Pandora's box, Nick? What's the Pandora's box that you had? In my I need. Oh, I thought that was you that put it on there. I must have done that the day the news came out. Um, so uh, that's funny. That's why you didn't know what I was talking about to, with South Dakota in the beginning. Um, so the Pandora's box, we'll talk about it more next week because I, I want to get some specifics. But it was a release of papers this week that showed where 
uh, global uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got uh, it. <laughs> prime ministers and things stash their wealth and how they, you know, spend money, uh, all that sort of stuff that you sort of knows, know goes on. Uh, but this was a, a group of journalists yeah. tying it all together with the biggest uh, release of papers to that effect ever. And so um, anyway, we'll talk about it more in the uh, coming Let's week. Let's do it. But, Absolutely. Uh, two things. Uh, one, uh, to get back to South Dakota. But uh, first one, you, you know, all this stuff goes on, right? And now this is just uh, further proof, just like all these conspiracy theories over the past 10 years have turned out to be uh, true, you know, from Epstein to the rigging of LIBOR, like on down the mm. list, right? Um, and it's what's feeding the the public. And it's ultimately what's going to lead to the uh, the changing of institutions because they have zero credibility left. Anyway, we'll talk about it more next week. But the other thing was that I think it was a couple of hundred trusts that were identified in the papers. Uh, I don't want to say the number because I get it wrong, but it was like under 300. And 70 some of those trusts were in South Dakota. Mm. This is very interesting to me. So anyway, I'll do a little digging. We'll talk more about it. No, we'll we'll get into details uh, later. You know, not as nasty as trafficking kids and then getting caught and then being found guilty and then bailing yourself out with multi-million dollar bonds and then killing yourself, but nasty nonetheless. Mr. Hodge, it has been an absolute pleasure. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 138 of Bizarro World. Say something to the nice people, Nick. See ya. Be nice to everybody.